0: Requires high-speed internet. Connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Okay, we're back. A new episode of Wizards After Dark. I I said I was coming back earlier this week. I didn't come back earlier this week. I wasn't feeling great, so we're getting a Thursday afternoon episode. Is the one episode of the week. That's the bad news only one episode this week. Although maybe it's good news if you just hate this podcast and listen to it anyway. But there's great news coming, which is that only one episode of the week means that Ben Standing is on 100% of the episodes this week. And 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 not not only that, but normally we record over Skype and we just have audio and it's like we're on a phone call. But right now, because not, apparently my, my computer is sick as well. Ben is doing the recording right now, which means we're doing it over Zoom. And I'm, I'm staring at Ben Standig's face. And I feel like I'm having my first social interaction with anyone I work with in like 14 months. This is a big deal for me.
2: Wow. It, it, it is. I get to see your eye rolls whenever I say something insane. So that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> I, wore, a- I wore pants with a button today. It's been a big week. I'm glad I'm not seeing anything about your pants right now, but I appreciate you letting us know that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's amazing the things we we've, we've thought about, right? Like pants with buttons. How many times have like been outside? Uh, did you see anybody? You know, I did. I did see one neighbor and the trash guy uh, today. So that was a big day. That was my social interaction. Wow. Yeah. You're
1: you're really getting social.
2: Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, like, uh, full on fifty thousand seat stadiums are on deck. So here we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the in the Wizards' case, you know, two thousand people <laughs> right. arenas. Right. I I can't believe they're gonna have. I, I I wasn't expecting them to have fans. I mean, they're gonna have fans starting with the Warriors game. When is it? The twenty first or whatever. Uh, I I was not expecting them to get fans this year. I guess they're getting in for the last nine home games. Um, I wonder what it's going to be like 2,000 fans in that arena. Like, I, It's going to be so weird seeing fans at the Wizards game again. You know, It's just been so long.
2: Yeah, it'll be weird hearing somebody cheer for the team uh, besides Neil DeLaw. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, kidding, kidding. Uh, yeah, no, it'll be weird. I mean, I, I, if I – I would imagine, if, if I'm viewing this from, like, the, the ownership perspective, the real story here is they're getting in for the Caps, right? Because the Caps are looking pretty good, and they could have a decent run in the playoffs and all that. And that's, you know, a fair amount of games if they get, you know, again, relatively speaking, to where we're at. For the Wizards, as we'll discuss, the 10 seed is looming, so we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, who knows how it is. But you can't really do one without the other in the same building, right? So it kind of, it's just kind of going to come with the, with the territory. But yeah, I guess I, was, I didn't know that it would get to this point. But once the rest of the country starts doing it, I guess eventually D.C. would be – the hands would be forced. And to some degree, things are looking more optimistic as people are getting
1: vaccines and all that. What? What is this, Ben? The Cap, The Caps have a playoff run? The Wizards are going to be taking out their, their switch and going at you in a sec because the Wizards are making their run. The wizards are doing some stuff. Uh, okay, so we have we have a game. Uh, I have I have uh, scenarios called up in a Google Doc. So if you are clicking right now on the podcast, that very professional noise you hear is me clicking to my Google Doc, so I can go to it. So so we have a game that that I have planned out. Ben, you don't know what's coming. We're playing Wizards. Would you rather? Sounds like most of my life. I don't know what's coming. Go ahead. <laughs> See, we're playing wizards would you rather everybody knows what would you rather is I'm gonna throw some some would you rathers at you and uh, and we're 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 gonna give some answers and we're gonna talk about them and then maybe I'll take a Twitter question and uh, and and we'll we'll get the hell out of here and leave everybody alone okay uh, you ready for this first one?
2: I was born ready. Let's go. What do you got?
1: This one, this one's gonna, oh boy, this one's gonna leave you weak in the knees. Oh boy. Ben Standig, would you rather bet your life that the Wizards finish top 10 in the East or bet your life that the Bulls finish top 10 in the East?
2: Oh boy. So, like, I mean, I don't know exactly what the Bulls. Record in their last five to ten games is, but it's somewhere in the realm of uh, the uh, you know the Houston Texans uh, would would uh, would think it's pretty bad. It's it's really or the, or, or to, to localize it more, the your New York Jets would think it's pretty bad. Uh, and now like ten minutes ago, we heard that Zach Levine is entering the uh, health and safety protocol situation, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. They are reeling. Boy, you're going to make me go that. I you know I mean
1: let's let us let us go. Give me the Wizards. There you go. Ben Ben is betting his life that the Wizards will make the playoffs or make the play-in tournament.
2: I've already spent most uh, the, of my life thinking about this team. Might as well just go all the way, right?
1: The Bulls have lost four in a row, by the way. And they have not been good since the trade deadline. They lost to Orlando the other night in the Vucevic revenge game. They They have really struggled. They look... Unkempt on both sides of the ball. Levine is now out for at least a couple of games, right? And Levine's having a great year. He's just become a really good player. And he's having a great year. I mean, I'm also gonna look to strength the schedule in on this one too. So there's he- there's a narrative with the Wizards that the Wizards only beat good teams and they lose to bad teams, which is like kind of true. It's more that they only beat they beat great teams. And they lose to bad teams. They don't really beat good teams. They have a bad record against teams over five hundred. So what is this? They, the Wizards are twelve and twenty-two against teams above five hundred, and they're nine and eleven against teams below five hundred. So, you know, they're mu- they're significantly better against teams that are sub five hundred, and they have one of the easiest remaining strengths of schedule in the league as of a couple of days ago when I checked. They had the third easiest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA behind Dallas and somebody else. The Bulls have one of the 10 hardest schedules in the league. And by the way, the Raptors, who they're in a virtual tie with, have one of the 10 hardest schedules remaining in the league as well. The Raptors, I don't consider as much of a threat because I think they're trying to fall out. I think they would be down to get a good lottery spot, just kind of you know, chalk up this year as to just being a super weird one that they had to play in Tampa and everything went wrong, and get a really good draft pick and hit a home run with that, and then move forward. I think they'd be fine with that. They're two years removed from a championship. They're they're good. They've got runway. The Wizards want to make the playoffs. The Bulls want to make the playoffs. I don't know. I I think I'm with you. I think I'm betting my life that the Wizards get. the play in tournament it just it they seem like the intuitive team no one i mean i think they have a they have a better chance of anyone behind them you know it's not cleveland's a game back of them but it's it's not cleveland by the way they're currently one back of chicago they're in a virtual tie with toronto they're one back of chicago chicago is 10th the wizards are tied for 11th cleveland's a game back of them it's not going to be cleveland Orlando is is tanking and far enough back now it's not going to be Orlando it's not going to be Detroit I I kind of think they they should find a way in at least with this schedule they've got six consecutive games now against team sub 500 like, they should find a way in
2: I mean look they you know they, they 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 are playing better and Chicago. You know, despite trading for Wagner, clearly have no momentum. That was a that was a Fred line. Sorry.
1: All, it was almost a Fred line because you forgot that Wagner went to Boston in that deal.
2: Oh my God, he did. <laughs> ah, close <laughs> enough. I forgot about that. It shows how much I've been. Seems paying like seems cr- like
1: you. Uh, seems like you really uh, browned the bed with that pun.
2: <laughs> Is he playing?
1: Kinda. He he's he's getting minutes here and there. He's he's closed out some games for them. They've he, he's been okay for them defensively. He's been pretty good for them defensively, actually. He's he's shown a little something. I mean, I it really he's is use some defense. It, but hey, Gafford has been you know gaffer has been great for them.
2: Well, that that's what's so funny. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying that, or you know, I, I don't think anybody would be saying that. You know, whatever their whatever surge they're having is because of Gafford. But at the same point, you know, I was looking at the box score the other day, and like you know, the 10 to 15 minutes a game he's playing, and it's funny to see, like, three centers, like, last night, I think the, the minutes were doled out equally between Len, Lopez, and Gafford, more or less. Um, those minutes, he's been pretty uh, uh, effective, and that was obviously one of the issues, you know, all this season was just, like, at, at any given point in time, uh, Scott Brooks's interesting rotations aside, just, like, did you have the did you have eight to nine guys at any given time that you feel, could feel good about there being, like, any kind of weakness? And not saying that they have like a stacked lineup, but right now it does feel like with Gafford kind of filling in some of those minutes, Ish Smith back, like this is the most like... Here we have nine guys that we can put out that feel pretty good about. Not saying it's amazing, but feel pretty good about it. I don't know how many times that could have been said
1: this year. All right. Next, would you rather? Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> would you rather... Have Bradley Beal isolating against an objectively bad defender with a whole side of the floor cleared out for him, or have Robin Lopez shoot a hook shot over Rudy Gobert? <laughs> um, well,
2: I mean, look. Obviously, on the one hand, I have the NBA's leading scorer, an All-Star starter, one of the best players in the league. Or, I mean, I have the world's greatest hook shot artist since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Clearly, I'm going with. <laughs> Robin Lopez, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, look, I get the answer might be the other way, but like, you know, statistics are what they are. I'm sure you have numbers handy. He He's not missing anything uh, at this point. So uh, send me tongue-in-cheek. Give me Robin Lopez.
1: I mean, obviously the question is tongue-in-cheek, but I, I just wanted to say this stat. The wizard the Wizards broadcast shows every game, as they should, that Robin Lopez has the second most hook shots in the NBA behind Nikola Vucevic. They show that every game. It's a hilarious stat. I have no problem with them showing that every game. He's on this outrageous offensive role where every hook shot he takes is exactly the same. It's always over the left shoulder, right? It's always a right-handed over the left shoulder hook shot. It, it, it It's so slow developing and impossible to block and looks awkward and clunky and funky and any word you want to call it. It's going in every time. And I just love that in this age, we're posting up in order to to score is a thing of the past. I mean, how many centers post up in order to score consistently? Like Embiid, Towns, Jokic doesn't even do it because Jokic's first inclination is to look to pass. So I'm not even putting Jokic in that. In that category. I mean, not a lot of guys. No, Wagner. <laughs> not a lot of big guys do it. Uh, you know, like Russell Westbrook does it, but he does it with a smaller guard against him. He does it when he feels like he has a mismatch. It's it's not just like a first option for big guys anymore. It's just not what you do because the math bears out that it's not efficient. All that said, uh of all the qualifying players in the NBA, I set the qualifier at like two post-ups a game. Out of all the qualifying players in the NBA, Robin Lopez has been the most efficient post-up player in the league this year. By far. The Wizards are averaging like 125 points per 100 possessions on possessions that end in a shot, a turnover, or a pass from him out of the post, according to Synergy Sports. It's hilarious. It's ridiculous. This is remarkable. It's amazing I, I, that he's been this good in the post. And it's just with a hook shot. That's it. Right. Whatever. I
2: mean, Robin Lopez has been, you know, in the context of, hey, here are the players of Wizards added. You know, we, we, we typically don't really talk about him. He just sort of like comes with the furniture. We know Robin Lopez is a totally solid player. You're not expecting much more than that. And certainly I don't think anybody is expecting him to be anything in the realm of a, you know, steady o- offensive uh, force and yeah, not is a bit strong, but like, yeah, he's been
1: totally force. No lean into it. Okay. Force. You just bet your life on the wizards getting the 10 seed lead into force. Also, when I think, when I hear the word force, I think of star Wars, which
2: somehow makes me think of Robin Lopez. So I think that kind of works. <laughs> Although I may, for I know maybe he's a Marvel universe guy. I don't know, but, uh, he, he probably is. I, he seems like somebody who would be
1: an everything guy.
2: But by the way, I'm going I'm, to – I haven't t- said this, Fred. I'm, I'm going to – at some point here on my podcast, I want to do like a Wizards thing, and I'm going to make Fred come on. And I, I'm, the topic I was thinking of is like forgetting this here, just looking ahead, like what do they actually have next year? And he's a free agent, so I'll just ask you now. Like same money, is he coming – would you bring him back?
1: I mean, it depends on what you're going for next year. Same money? No. Because they, they got to use – they don't have bird rights on him because he's one year, and and they got to use um they're cl- they're close to the the tax. I think they got to use that money and those resources differently, and get they get a wing who can defend and shoot. I think right. that's and their Gafford- weakness is three point shooting. Their weakness is full time defense. You got Daniel Gafford because he is under contract. For next year and the year after that, at a very manageable number. 1-7, I think it's next year, and 1-9 the year after that. You've got Thomas Bryant coming back from injury. The three-center rotation does not need to carry over into next year. So, no, I, I can't imagine. This isn't me reporting he's not coming back. I'm just kind of using logic and the resources everybody else has to figure it out. I can't imagine he'd be coming back next year, given the Gafford addition, and Thomas Bryant's return from injury. Um, but he's been helpful this year. He's he's totally been helpful, and the hook shots thing is—I don't know—it's just a fun storyline. It's so goofy looking, and it's it's so effective. It
2: is. It is. All right, I derailed. I derailed our conversation with that question. You, I'm sure you have a
1: third no. One. You continue. You continued the conversation. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay, we got another. I got another. Would you rather? Yes. All right. If you were the wizards, oh, there. There's all this talk of. Should the Wizards turn around and get a top five pick, or at least try to get a top five pick? Or should the Wizards uh, go for the playoffs? And obviously this isn't something that they can answer because they can't tell the future. But if the Wizards could tell the future, let's pretend like they can. If you were the Wizards, would you rather finish in 10th place and win the play-in tournament, which gets you the number eight seed, and thus eliminates you from the lottery, but gets you into the playoffs at the number eight seed, or get the number seven pick. Um, you're out of the top five, and I and I didn't say six, just in case somebody makes a crazy selection and. So remind me, one on of the, those five guys falls to you.
2: Remind me again on the Wall trade. What's the parameters on what's the protection on that pick? Because if they make the playoffs now, you're telling me you're picking. 15 or higher.
1: Uh right. Right. Let me I'll, I'll tell you the exact I will tell you the exact Well the 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 Westbrook pick is not until 2023 anyway.
2: Oh, it not it's not next year? Okay.
1: No, it's not that's not till 2023 anyway. They have oh, well. their they have their picks, but I can tell you the the protections on that
2: if it uh, factors into your answer to this. We, we, we what is definitely clear on this podcast is we're answering the question between me and Fred, which one of us is ti- is more tired? Clearly, I <laughs> between the Mo Wagner not remembering the Westbrook thing, uh, I am I am crushing it today. Um, all right, so seventh pick, or they make the playoffs and then presumably would lose, so we get the fifteenth pick, right? But you get the playoffs and that 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 experience. Um, pfft. I mean, for me personally, I would go the seventh pick. That said, to me, the only justification for really, like, as in, I understand Scott Brooks and the players are not going to try to lose, but in turn, and, you know, the, the tanking is not on that end if there, is, if there is anything. But from the organization mentality, that the idea that they want to make the playoffs to me is borderline crazy, unless you're telling yourself, we want to keep Bradley Beal no matter what, and if we don't make the playoffs, then the chances of him saying, hey, you know what, it's been real, I want out of here, increase, then I'm like, all right, I guess in the scenario you're presenting in particular, I'd say go for it. But I, I guess I would, in general I would say the seventh seed and just hope that whatever these you know five guys that every draft analyst seems to say, maybe by draft day you know, things do change and guys do drop and maybe we're lucky and get one of them. I mean, you know, Danny avdio was being projected as a top five pick, and then in the draft he goes – eight, right? So things like that. Or he went nine. I mean, sorry, another mistake.
1: <laughs> you really are tired. <laughs> uh, for I what it's worth. About the NFL the... draft and I got you there. There we go. That's where your brain is. Yes. I can ask you about who the Jets are going to take at number two. The that, I can tell you.
3: Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: All right. We got, we got one more would you rather and then I'm diving into a Twitter question. All right. Take on the mindset of being an NBA player, which I know you're very familiar with. as As you almost, you almost made it. Um, Would, <laughs> oh wow! Breaking news from Mark Stein: the most Ben Standing news ever. Oh, well, who signed Justin Robinson? The Thunder assigning him to a second ten day contract. <laughs> oh, is that right? Nice. <laughs> um. All right. You're an NBA player. Would you rather win a scoring title or set the career triple doubles record? Both of these things might happen to separate members of the Wizards' backcourt this season.
2: Right. So Westbrook can pass Oscar Robertson. What's he need, like 10 or 11
1: more to go? He needs 11 more to tie him. They have 18 games left. That's the career mark. Oscar Robertson had 181 for his career. Westbrook is at 170. He's got 10 triple-doubles in his last 11 games, which is pr- pretty ridiculous. I mean, uh, I guess I, I, guess it would be like Beal. Beal is averaging 31 a game, and Curry's at 30.7 at the time we're recording this.
2: Boy, I mean, me personally, the scoring would be just fun, so I would rather do that. That said... In theory, well, not in theory, the scoring champion, every year somebody begets that honor. Some people will win it more than once in their career, but every year somebody gets that honor. Only one person can be the all-time leader in anything. And based on the fact that Westbrook would be passing Oscar Robertson, who last time I checked played uh, a 1,000 years ago, meaning nobody's even sniffing As you've tweeted about many times, Westbrook in about 10 seconds set the Wizards franchise record for triple-doubles Uh, because this is not a thing that happens that often, although he makes it seem like it does. I guess from that perspective, like, I'm going to be an all-time... Nobody's touching Westbrook's mark. I mean, you know, presumably anytime soon, at least. So give me Westbrook, I think, or the triple-double record.
1: Yeah, I think I would take the triple-double record, but the argument for winning a scoring title is I think that's more set in stone forever. Because... If you win a scoring title, you're just one of the guys who won a scoring title. You're always scoring champion Bradley Beal. If you set the triple-doubles record, you only have it until like Jokic or Doncic breaks it in 10 years. And then you're number two or number three on the all-time triple-double record list. Right.
2: No, that's a good point. I think... One is etched in stone and one seems pretty out there, but
1: hypothetically it could be erased. Yeah, I think I'd rather have the triple double one because it's an all-time record I I have to say I, I I think I'm a little bit more of a Westbrook centrist than the average person I've I've kind of always said that his box score lines are never really indicative of how well he plays on a given night. he can have 25 15 and 15 and have a bad game. Because he didn't shoot well, he didn't control the offense well, he took bad shots, or maybe his defense wasn't there, turned it over too much, whatever. He can have 21, 8, and 8 and play way better than he did in the 25, 15, and 15 game. But I will say, demeaning the number of triple doubles, I get it, sometimes triple double and he doesn't play well. Sometimes it's triple double and he plays great. I still think it's a remarkable accomplishment. Like it's still amazing it's still a thing even nowadays when there are more triple doubles than ever even nowadays like no one's averaging a triple double no one's doing it and and i do think it's it's independent of whether you want to argue how much he helps you win every single night he obviously helps you win on a bunch of nights now and he's playing much better play great in the utah game i know he turned it over 7 times Last night against Sacramento, but he had some really great moments, I thought was mostly really good in that game. And he's he's been very good the last month or so. Very good. And has been the best player on the floor a number of different nights. And has really helped them as Beale has fought through this back thing and uh you know, fought through the hip thing as well. He has honestly been a stabilizing force for them, and he's still an absolutely exceptional rebounder for a point guard, independent of the of the uncontested versus contested rebounds. If you average out his if you average if you just normalize the ratio of contested to uncontested rebounds that he has, he still grabs an incredible amount of rebounds for a six foot three guard. Um I I I think the triple double thing is just I think it's remarkable. He said once you know, if everybody could grab 15 rebounds any night, someone would have done it. Really? <laughs> and, and like, he's not wrong. That's not wrong. Somebody would have done it. How often do we see people like Ricky Davis just chase a triple-double on one night just to get it, you know? Right. And, and miss his own shot and try to get a rebound just to pat his rebounding stats for one night. I I, I just think independent of any of it, like whether you whether you think that he's telling them up because he's chasing them or getting them because he's the greatest point guard. I I just think it's it's pretty amazing that we're watching a guy break a record that five years ago we kind of all thought was totally and completely unbreakable.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think, you know, because right there is some sense of stat chasing and you watch how Westbrook plays. There's been, you would know better than me, but like some sense over the years that some teammates kind of knew, Hey, get out of the way so he can get the rebounds or whatever on free throws or things like that. All that said to have the energy to night in and night out play to, to put yourself in a position to get these numbers. The assists are obviously, you know, a ball dominant situation and to some degree, so many of the points, but like you still have to go do it. And even the best players in the league, some nights you can just see, like, they don't have it, which is understandable. We're all freaking human. I don't, you know, you see my performance in this podcast. I clearly am not clicking on all cylinders. So, like, the the ability to do that night in, night out is remarkable. And I do think on some level, when you see what's going on with the Wizards right now, like, as great as Beal is, and he is the best player and all that, like, it does feel, like, somebody asked me the other day um, after they beat, what was the first game of this trip? Or not this trip, but the West Coast, Golden State? They beat Golden. They beat Golden State. That was yes. that, that was, the, that was that, the first
1: West Coast one. Yeah.
2: Right. That was the Beal four point play and all that. And uh, Denny had the block at the end. Some, somebody asked me that. I think the Wizards were going to sneak into the playoffs, and I was like, "Well, you got to tell me which Westbrook is, is showing up. Is it the one who is just wildly out of control, uh, you know, ag- you know, overly aggressive, you know, not, you know, not not self aware enough on his shooting things like that, or is it the one who is?" doing all the energetic stuff, but playing a smarter brand of basketball. The turnovers look are going to come no, most, no matter what. And I sometimes turnovers, they'll bother me a ton because when you have the ball a lot and you're trying to do a lot, that will happen. I mean, you can't have too many. Like last night they were fortunate to have as many as they did for, uh, and, and still win the game. But if, if he's playing with some level of, of, of control and, and feel for the game and getting everybody involved and, and the ball is moving particularly for them, it feels like the ball movement was pretty decent. on on a bunch of these games at West, that version of Westbrook, sure. I mean, again, I know the 10 seeds a low bar, but in terms of where they've been, I think that is a version of this team that can look pretty decent, and we've seen that in in recent games. So I really think he's the bellwether, and if the triple-doubles come with that, great, but the energy he brings is always something that's impressive, and and, uh, you know that can't be denied regardless of what else is going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I I probably write about Westbrook more than I write about Beal, tweet about Westbrook more than I tweet about Beal, all that stuff. And there's a reason why. Uh, It's because Westbrook just has way more of a range. Like what he does is more remarkable. And when I say remarkable, I don't mean incredible. I mean, literally the literal definition of the word. I mean, worth remarking on because – He hits extremes in both directions. When Beal is just like, all right, here's your 32 on efficient shooting. And when the guy does that every night, it becomes less of a thing worth remarking on, less of a thing marveling over on a daily basis because you see it all the time. And with Westbrook, you just see it from play to play, quarter to quarter. There are games where he's excellent for a quarter. And then he just loses his mind, and you get bad rust for a quarter or for the fourth or whatever. There are times where he talks about, you know, you know, we're not running around trying to get shots for our three-point shooters, you know, and on on games where they fall apart in the fourth, and he starts the fourth over eight from the field. Then there are other moments where he he really carries the offense and runs them, and nights where he takes eleven shots and. And makes eight of them and just distributes the ball beautifully and paces the offense and all those things. And you just never know what you're going to get with him, which I find more compelling as a viewer. I mean, Beal is is their best player. What's going to be interesting with him is you know some voters are voting for him for All-NBA. I can't imagine a scenario in which I would be one of them. But you know some voters are going to be voting for him for All-NBA, and I don't think he's making it this year. Like we talked about last episode about all the elite guards who are in the league this year. And we didn't even mention him as one of the guys. And you know he's he's definitely averaging a triple-double for a fourth year this year. He's for sure doing it. And you know some of the voters are going to say triple-double again. He's he's definitely got to be there. And he's had way too many down moments and had way too slow of a start of the year Uh with the quad injury for me to say that he's an all-NBA guy and the efficiency numbers are too low right now. It's been really good for a month, but that that doesn't eliminate the first month and a half, two months of the season for me. Um, but we I'm had, curious to see where he ends up. And he's going to take votes away from other guys, and he might take some votes away from Beal, by the way. I mean,
2: with no disrespect to Westbrook, if, if we talk every year, right, there's, there's always some questions about who voted for whom. If you're telling me that you voted for Westbrook, and you're, either a you put two wizards guards in the all NBA team, which is obviously a pretty hilarious comment considering we're talking about them getting a the ten seed, or it means you t- went for Brad and oh you went for him over Brad, and I'd be like I-, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean again Westbrook played well, but I mean over the course of the season Brad has been far the better player, so I wouldn't even understand how like in, it's one thing for comparing a player to a player on another team to have it the direct comparison on the same team. I I wouldn't even know what to say to that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I listed him last week, but Dame is a lock. Doncic is a lock. Uh, Harden is a lock. All-NBA. Uh, Curry is a lock. Kyrie has been tremendous. Uh, he's missed some time, but he's been tremendous. Donovan Mitchell is having a great year. That's six guys. Donovan Mitchell's having a great year on the team with the best record in the league. Ben Simmons is always a candidate. That's seven. You got the two guys in the Suns, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, that gets you to nine. You got Beal. I mean, that's that's ten guys right there, and you've only got six spots. And LeBron was eligible at guard last year. Kawhi was eligible at guard last year. You got Chris Middleton. I mean, now now we're up to thirteen, uh, and there are probably some others I'm forgetting. Westbrook's not getting on there, but I bet you he gets votes. He always sneaks in. He always gets a couple of all defense votes. He. He always he got third team All NBA after a ridiculously slow start last year too. Um, you know the he, had, he his stretch last year in Houston was better than this one when he was like really great for a month and a half. But he got it, he got it, and uh, now he's got the triple double going for him, and he's got the ten triple doubles in eleven games. And you know that's that's not necessarily how I vote, but it's uh, it's how a lot of that's how a lot of other people vote. So I, I bet you he gets some. I bet you he, he will be on ballots. I promise you he will be on ballots.
2: Um, what a world. Sure, why not?
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, let's take one Twitter question. Because this is my new segment. Taking questions off Twitter and answering them. That's what I'm calling it. All right. We've got <laughs> you know it's so funny. I'm scrolling through the, the Twitter questions when I tweet out, uh, and it's just like some some of the some of the Russ fans on Twitter are 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 hilarious with the with the questions about about him and the triple doubles and whether it makes him the greatest point guard ever but we just had a conversation about him so here's what I'm taking I'm going to refer back to a conversation we had earlier in the podcast because I like this question this one is from the handle is Mitch please and the question is uh, with Daniel Gafford being a solid contributor how does that impact the future of Thomas Bryant with the team I don't think it does I think their plan when they got Gafford was that Gafford would be a really good backup to Thomas Bryant, provide a little change of pace, play above the rim, block shots, screen. I mean, Bryant doesn't have to be a guy who plays 34 minutes, and I don't think that they're going to anticipate that after he had foot issues last year, and then he just tore an ACL. It'll allow him to ease him back. I mean, you could play Bryant 28 minutes, Gafford 20. Bryant 30 minutes, Gafford 18. Gafford hasn't had the cleanest injury history and in, you know, the the history of the league either. So getting him eighteen minutes a night, twenty minutes a night, I mean that's that I don't think it really has an impact. I think you got two young centers who complement each other nicely and might be able to 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 provide slightly different skill sets with Bryant being uh, you know, more of a skilled center, dribble handoffs, shooting threes. Touch finishes around the rim, Gafford more the above the rim guy. Right?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, if you say the Wizards go into the season, those are your top two centers, and we we just discussed Lopez and, you know, Alex Landis, I think has been putting pretty solid, but you know, he is a free agent also, right? So whatever, we'll see about that. But uh, you know, I mean anyway, if that's your top two centers, nobody's going, Wow, the Wizards the Wizards aren't gonna get the check in the box against a lot of teams uh, in the center spot. But that said, two guys who are we young? Gafford's athleticism really stands out. Obviously, Thomas Bryant's strength has been his, you know, I would say his offense, is um, his scoring ability, uh, which they don't necessarily need when you have Brad and and and, and Westbrook, but and Bertens, But regardless, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it exists. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't think it would matter. I guess my only question would be, you know, if you're gonna keep Brad and you're gonna continue to make this push towards like being good, do you feel compelled to? do anything else to bolster that spot. You may not be able to for all kinds of reasons. And as you said, I think getting a wing has probably got to be top priority if we're going to spend any kind of money. But that would be my only question um, to to, to that. But yeah, otherwise, I don't think it really makes a a big difference.
1: Yeah, and and they didn't trade for Gafford to replace Thomas Bryant. They traded for him to back up Thomas Bryant. That was part of the appeal of Gafford. He's on a team-friendly, affordable, contract for next season and the season after that next season is non-guaranteed the season after that is a team option he's making less than two million a year in both of them he can be a backup to thomas bryant and compliment him well that was the objective when they traded for him and bryant's only got one year after you know after this one next year is his last year under contract and then he's a free agent again so you don't know what's gonna happen in that scenario too. He's gonna to be unrestricted. You know, you don't know what's gonna happen with Bryant. So it's nice having Gafford as an insurance, it's nice having him as a backup. It's been five games with Daniel Gafford. Uh he's been very good. He's been very good. And he's given them an element they didn't have. But it's not like they're I mean, there you is. Know, it's not like they're throwing away Thomas Bryant. That's not happening.
2: And there is another component to all this, which is to say, you know, the current head coach's contract ends at the end of the year. We don't know who's coaching next year. So, depending, I mean, hypothetically, if you went with, I'm just making this up, Mike D'Antoni or a Mike D'Antoni type coach, well, that's one offense. Or you could go with a stodgy, old school situation in another way. So, who knows? You know, that that's a that's a factor as well. We don't know exactly what's going to happen.
1: Totally. Totally. Anything to plug before we wrap?
2: Uh, I don't know if it's, people are aware of this, but I write for The Athletic so you can read my stuff there. Um, and I have a podcast, a lot of NFL drafts, standard room only. People seem to like the name. I don't know if they like the content, but I'll take, I'll take the name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, if you want to sign up, you want to read Ben's excellent NFL draft coverage, you want to read my Mediocre Wizards coverage, uh, you want to read anything else on The Athletic where we just have my colleagues are amazing. You can sign up. You can get full access to the site if you go to theathletic.com wizardsafterdark. You can sign up for $3.99 a month there. Again, that's theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. You can sign up for a full subscription to The Athletic for 3.99 dollars a month. Totally worth it. Gets you everything. Your NBA, your WNBA, your NFL, your MLB, whatever you're looking for theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark for $3.99 a month for a full subscription. Check it out. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark if you're just listening to this episode and you're not a subscriber already. You can head on to iTunes. You can leave a review. You can give us five stars. The written reviews always help a ton. Uh, I will be back next week with a new episode. Talk to you guys then.